SuperThank is a human gratitude engine organized around the mission of growing communities that magnify and continue to amplify acts of radical gratitude for stuff that matters. On August 18th, the SuperThank community gathered at the Eastburn to thank the city of Portland. Thank you, Portland is the theme. It's the 14th one of these we've done. It's the first time we've thanked our city. How many people were born here? Yeah. How many people live here now? Yeah. So I was born here? First time in Portland right now. Welcome. Really? First time. Really? You know, it's like sometimes. I just want everybody to know that the, uh, the jellyfish there is fake. And it's taken us about two and a half years to get an answer to that question. Okay? There were two possibilities. One is that it was fake. The other, it was real and on a leash. And it's, it's not real but on a leash. Okay? It's fake. And, and, and the reason I learned that, that I, there was no higher authority upon which to call. But it has not, it has not changed in any fundamental way as it's been on its leash. And if I had been on a leash for like three years, I'd be pissed. And it hasn't done anything wrong. Uh, I love this town. I was born here. I went to high school here. You should understand that my job is to make the storytellers after me look good by comparison. This is my purpose. So I tell a story. And my story is that I was from here. And, uh, and it's a wonderful place. I went to Grand High School. Okay. And, uh, and I ran for mayor. And I didn't win. Uh, another guy won. Uh, knock, knock. There. Jefferson Smith. Jefferson Smith, I guess you're one of two thirds of Portlanders who don't know if I didn't vote for me for mayor. That's my knock knock joke. But take that, I got an online radio show now and a podcast, huh? Take that, Hales. This is your real name. We have a phenomenal group of people that's going to come up this morning, uh, come up this evening, including in the morning, somebody you'll be able to hear on Thursday, which is Kate Warehouser, who's going to close us out. Just a terrific group of people this morning. Uh, the reason that we get together like this is that there's so many in our community who are underthanked. And it turns out that the expression of gratitude isn't only good for people who are underthanked, but it's also good for the thanker. It turns out it helps you live longer, helps you sleep better, helps you be healthier, helps you concentrate better, helps your overall happiness. We'll say a little bit more about that at the end. But that's why we get together like this, and it's an honor to do so. I want to introduce our first speaker. Our first storyteller is named Charlie Gilkey. He's an entrepreneur, an army officer, a philosopher, helps creatives, other entrepreneurs and leaders, starting to finish the stuff that matters through his community called Productive Flourishing. Let us cheer as if we've never cheered before. Charlie Gilkey! Thank you, Jefferson. So he said, the speakers that we have here this morning, and I was like, am I really confused? <laughs> and I am, because I got up at 2.45 this morning, not because I was nervous about this, just naturally. So, um, and I'm just coming off of the conference, the World Domination Summit that we had here this last weekend. So I might sound like a cross between Bill Clinton, um, Barack Obama, and the Marvel Man today, just because of my voice. So bear with me on that one. Have you ever had one of those moments to where once it happened, you knew that the way you saw yourself would forever be changed. You could not go back once that happened. Last year, about this time, I had one of those experiences happen to me. And I've had a few others in my life. 
Um, I remember when I was communicating with the Apache attack helicopter um, that was escorting my convoy throughout Iraq, and I was just doing casually, like this is what you do every day. And I realized, yeah, that's gonna be different when I go home, right? There's a certain way you look at yourself when something like that happens, and it was akin to that, that I wasn't in any danger. I had just been having a conversation with a man named Josh, and we had been splitting wood out in the summer sun for about four hours. And we were just talking about life, and where we were was just outside of Burns, Oregon. Just outside of Burns, Oregon. And we had been supporters for a vision quest. Now, if I had to tell you a lot about vision quest, I assure you I would not be able to get this done in eight minutes, or 80. But um, it's a Native American tradition whereby um, someone goes on a quest to find out um, the answer to a particular question or a particular impetus that they have. And I had been a supporter for that for some of my friends that, that had asked me to do that. But that wasn't what changed me. It wasn't that I had spent the last week in and out of eight or nine sweat boxes, right? That didn't do it. It wasn't that I had spent the entire week disconnected from technology. We hadn't had a TV, a radio, an internet, cell phone, none of it. It wasn't that that changed me. But what changed me was a conversation because I was remarking that in this community of other spiritual seekers, there's this huge age gap. Like, it was those of us as, are the lights nice when we got to <laughs> I feel like I need a camera with the green light. Okay, which one am I looking at? Okay, so, um, back on track, back on track. Um, the conversation was about how there was this huge age gap, age gap between the men that were my age and Josh, and like 50 and 60 and older. And it's like, what are we going to do about this generation in between? And we're chopping wood, right? We're splitting wood. And he looks at me. He says, huh, that's interesting. Because... You're in the age bracket above me, Charlie. I was, 30, I'm, I was 35 at the time, 36 now. And so I'm talking to Joshua, he's 26 or so. And I know that seems small, but we're talking about in the context of a spiritual community of someone recognizing that they had moved on to a new phase of life where they are younger men, because my whole sort of social outreach had been around working with teens and young adults going to college, so on and so forth. That's where I thought my work was going to be. But I had reflected, too, that actually it was with these 20-somethings. I'd moved on. And it's funny because that was the first time that whole week that I'd been on Vision Quest that I started to ask, why am I here? Like, in the very spiritual way, why am I here? But also, why am I here? Like, with this axe in my hand, talking to this guy. Why I was there was that Linda Neal had opened up her home to us. Linda Neal is who I'm here to thank. Um, Linda Neal is a um, community leader of many different spiritual communities. And she is bringing ceremony and spirit and community together and helping us find something that we have lost in this world of gadgets, 
in this world of fast social media and constant consumption. We were, the place where we were standing was the ancestral homestead of her forebears that had moved to just outside of Burns, Oregon and had a cabin there. And she had opened it up for 35 of us to come and stay there for a week and live off that land. And she didn't ask for anything. She had brought this community together over many weeks, excuse me, many years, and several times a month she invites them to her home just outside of Portland to go through sweat lodges. There's a men's sweat lodge, there's a woman's sweat lodge, and there's a community sweat lodge. It's open for anyone. Strangers, doesn't matter who. She has been involved in a lot of different communities, and here's where I'm going to read because it gives you a sample of who she is and what she's done. So, in 1986, she co-founded the 14th Moon Ceremony, which is an in a initiation ceremony for elder women, and it celebrates the path that all women walk, all women walk through maidenhood and matronhood. Celebrates women becoming matriarchs. Celebrates girls becoming mothers, and kid, young girls who aren't aware of their femininity embracing their maidenhood. That's a beautiful thing. We don't see a lot of that. Um, she, in 1980, or excuse me, 1996, she started the Earth and Spirit Council, which provides, encourages, and promotes deep spiritual connection to the natural world and all the beings that live on it. Again, reconnecting us with that spirit, reconnecting that with each other. And in 2011, 15 years after she started the Earth and Spirit Council, she wrote The Power of Ceremony, Restoring the Sacred in Ourselves, Our Families, and Our Communities. So since then, there's been a lot of stuff happening in the world, and I've gotten involved in different ways, um, between Black Lives Matter, between the conversations we have around inclusion and diversity, and I thought, that's a lot of work. It is a lot of work to maintain these communities. It's a lot of work to maintain these conversations, to bring back things that we have lost, and to create not safe spaces, but brave spaces where we can have the conversations that we all need to have. That takes a lot of work. And I thought of Linda, because she's been doing this for at least 30 years. Unpaid, with radical generosity, and in the constant search to connect us with ourselves, to connect us with each other, and to connect us with this warm world that we have. Thank you, Linda Neal. Next person I want to bring up is somebody who's been active in the media scene and the music scene. Her, uh, her show uh, on X-Ray is, uh, is Gritty Birds. It's about chance to interview uh, musicians, not only local musicians, but also musicians from abroad who are meeting, uh, who are coming locally. Uh, she, in terms of people who channel kind of the coolness of what this city hopes to be on its better days, she's one of those people. Big round of applause for Jenny Ray. So I took a photo, there was a photograph taken a few weeks ago, and I'm going to describe it to you. We're standing on the edge of the stage, crouched close in for the camera. The lights of the stage are flashing in our eyes as we pull in 
community in the revelry of our celebration. Taking our final bow, we hug it like we mean it, thanking faces we met only a couple days earlier. The audience is scraps of paper and bags filled with garbage and recycling. A hint of the crowd who stood screaming to summer cannibals a mere 10 minutes before. Now it's just us, the crew of PDX Pop Now. Standing in the back, quietly peeking out is a woman with dark hair and a shy and warm smile. In the crowd, like she is in life, she isn't obviously notable. Annie is not a woman who likes to draw attention to herself. You probably don't know it, but Annie Ostrowski is the heart of PDX Pop Now. I met Annie the first year I volunteered at PDX Pop Now. I played the previous two years, and I was at a strange crossroads in my life at the time. Standing somewhere between my life as a performer and working behind the scenes, and I knew something was different. I had recently found myself frozen with a panic attack while on stage headlining a show at Doug Fur for Sold Out Festival. I wanted to stay in the world I loved, but I knew I could not stand on a stage anytime soon. As Annie and I hugged at the after party that year, she asked me to join the team. I had a group again, I had my second win. Annie and I met that fall and sat side by side with her computers in the back room of Tiny's. She was sending out press releases. I was pretending I knew how to send out good press releases. <laughs> I thought that I was selling her, not realizing she had already said yes. I gotta tell you, being on a board is not what I imagined. <laughs> you know. It quickly became clear that this team fought tooth and nail to keep free and all ages music alive. And with the year where our artist, artistic director, our grant writer, and our administrative director were stepping down, we were in for a battle. Just as we were starting to launch our prep time, time stopped. Annie got a phone call. She found out that one of the most important people in her life, Simon, had died. For weeks she laid low, processing what it meant to say goodbye to someone she loved so deeply. Yet, the motion kept up. She put on a brave face, and that's when I first saw the quiet grace of her leadership. 2015 went well, but our wells were dry. There was a current of exhaustion below the surface, not to mention new leadership. We stepped forward with trepidation as we faced a challenging year. But Annie was there, and she'd come back to us. Every time we met, her quiet smile was there. She had confidence in our future, and somehow, so did we. In her loss, she had found extra purpose. We got back to work. It quickly became clear that Annie had mad skills. She came up with brilliant ideas for new partnerships, and she can talk anyone in the nicest way that you can even imagine. She took up slack as I started an intense new job. She said, don't worry about it, with a smile on her face. Then I got fired. In a snap, the lack of faith returned like a cloud. I lost the ability to process. I was devastated and angry and no longer believed in myself. But Annie stood by me. We started to schedule work days. 
We sat down, like that first work day, with our computers side by side sending emails. We got drinks and talked about what all ages really meant, and the future of the music industry, and what it needed, and what community really meant. I recently made the decision to move forward from PDX Pop now, and I was afraid to tell her. I thought she'd be mad, but as always, she listened with heart and grace. She's still working to change my mind. When the festival came, she said, you've done great. You've got this. And I finally heard her. I finally believed it. PDX Pop Now is a fragile organization that exists because of the united strength of many. Strength that comes with a lot of patience and a whole lot of dedication. And that's Annie. She once told me that her dream was to be able to work for PDX Pop Now full time. And I have to say that I think she will someday. So thank you to Annie Ostrowski for showing me what true service and grace is. Because the music community in Portland takes a lot of heart and she has one of the biggest ones. Thank you. We have one more. And this is a real treat. So I started out tonight really nervous. And I have spoken in front of people before. And I started out this evening more nervous than usual because of her next storytelling. And I see her every week. Every week she comes on and we do a show together on X-Ray, 7 9 a.m. every Thursday. You listen to it 107.1, or on your X-Ray app. And she, I'll give her a couple plugs. Uh, Thursday evening, she's headlining at Circa 33 on Friday. She's at Sexual Awakened Bacon. Yeah, that's a thing here. Uh, at, uh, <laughs> at Funhouse Lounge. She's a member of Let's Stand Up. I mentioned you can hear Thursday morning on X-Ray. Um, she is one of the people in my life who has taught me that it is possible to be funny and not an asshole. And that I grew up mostly around people who are one of the other. And that she is uh, one of the most talented and kind-hearted people that I've had a chance to interact with. I am hopeful that her talent is sufficient to make her happy, but not. But it does not make her move to Los Angeles. And this is my, my hope. Kayla Warehouser, come on up. Do you think we can take the mic out of the stand without anybody freaking out? I'm not from Portland. There he said it. Yeah, some mixed reactions usually come from that one, but I did grow up in Oregon, so I get the pass. You understand? I get that. That's fine. I grew up in the woods. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Oh. Sounds like Eugene on the way to the coast on Highway 32. Yeah. yeah okay. Yeah. Good. Yeah. yeah. It's a magical place to grow up. Out in the middle of GD nowhere. You understand? <laughs> we don't have neighbors. Just, that's just a real thing. Uh, which sheep next door, but that's different. I, I don't spend like a ton of time um, thinking about how my life would have been different if I got to grow up with a mom, but sometimes I do, I think about it. I also count myself among the lucky that had a full-time amazing parent. I got the dad though, <laughs> and it is so much fun. 
yeah, to be raised by your dad. Oh, it's like having a parent, kind of. Uh, but with no supervision whatsoever, so that's fun. I like it. It is good. And sometimes I reflect, especially in like major life milestones. What will mom think? What will mom be into? Would we like the same music? Would she be just like super cool and chill about me being the most party butch human being that's ever lived? <laughs> Would she be into that? Yeah, probably. She'd probably be totally cool with it. And that, make, that gives me a lot of comfort. Uh, I've lived in Portland a couple times. Repeat offender, if you will, twice. <laughs> uh, <laughs> from 2008 to now, but a short uh, two years in San Francisco in between. And I was living in San Francisco uh, when I got the worst call of my entire life. And that was from one of my little sister's best friends, letting me know that they found her. Uh, and she'd taken her own life. And I wasn't there, and I freaked out, and I lost my mind. And if you've lost a a close family member, you know what happens. And you just, you, you explode your own life and everything is, doesn't make any sense. And it all just floats around in the ether and then slowly, meticulously, painfully, you have to reassemble your own existence from all of the bits that don't make any sense anymore that got blown apart into the ether. And you start putting them into a way that makes sense now. You just try your best and it didn't, oh, nothing made sense. And I, I, I quit my job in San Francisco and I was working software in IT and I, and I can't do that anymore. There's no purpose to that. Where am I gonna go and try really hard to teach people how to have a webcam? No one cares. Oh my God, no one cares. Oh no. So I quit and I up and came back to Portland, this haven here. I've been here for now four years again, and thank you, Portland, for being my home. Yeah. Thank you very much for being my home. Thank you for making Lanning and be the place where I figure out how to be an adult human being. Yeah. <laughs> thank you, Portland, for being, like, basically designed to be a daycare for millennials. Yeah. <laughs> thank you. Thank you also for being totally fine with 30-something people also just trying to figure their shit out. You understand? Thank you. Yeah, sure, we were supposed to have already figured our life out and graduated to a big city, but now we come back and we just live here. And it's okay, too. <laughs> Thank you, Portland. <laughs> Thank you, for Portland, for uh, providing me with a therapist that suggested that I get into stand-up comedy. Uh, uh, because apparently... <laughs> Thank you. My life tragedies are just... sister and then every other family member that you've lost because I don't know that's what my family does die it's fine I'm fine I'm great but just to be like you're hilarious <laughs> you should be a stand up and I'm just busy ugly crying <laughs> like no you're right I'll try that and I did thank you Portland for that thank you <laughs> thank you Portland for introducing me to Eastburn this is a very special place for me this is sacred ground that we occupy Thank you, Eastburn, for being the place that I would take my sister when she would visit here and we would have burgers while I was busy being vegan. I was busy being better than everyone at the time. Thank you. Good job.
We need burgers upstairs and look at the swings and be like, would you go on the <laughs> Are we too fat for those? <laughs> Thank you, Eastburn. Thank you for Eastburn for being the place that I bring my parents to come see comedy shows because Barbara Holm runs a show right here where I stand every single Monday and it's the greatest thing that I've ever done with my entire life because it's just incredible. It's the show I bring my parents to. Thank you. Thank you for that. Thank you, Eastburn, for having the greatest staff I've ever seen in my life. I love you to pieces. Oh, Thank you, Eastburn, for reminding me that I'm also really good at breaking up fights, because sometimes they happen. Yeah, I know. You're thinking the same thing I am. During the same space, queer-friendly feminist show? Yeah, sometimes I do. And I am a good bouncer. Thank you, Portland. Thank you for reminding me. I'm really good at it. Uh, thank you, Portland, for, for introducing me, uh, reintroducing me to gardening as a day-drinking activity. Thank you. <laughs> it's real good. You can get your hands in the dirt. Tequila pairs very well. I like it. Thank you, Portland, for letting me be uh, a butch alpha amongst a sea of Hufflepuffs. Thank you for being for cultivating a culture and a society of people that still appreciate Harry Potter. Yeah, it's my favorite about you. Thank you, Portland, for introducing me to Viso. Do you guys know about Viso? Yeah, you do. Because I work two jobs. <laughs> and I do radio with this guy. And it's so early in the morning. I don't want to die sometimes. So thank you, Viso, for tasting like dirty pool water. <laughs> but also, also letting me know what meth would feel like in case I was ever curious. <laughs> thank you. Thank you to Portland for, getting, for accepting me with open arms and a lot of drink tickets to into comedy, into stand-up in Portland. It's an amazing scene that we have, and it, it functions like a little nursery where you get planted in and you get raised up and everybody's friends, and we have a little competition, but it's mostly just for funsies, and mostly we abide by the thought that as the tide rise, so do the ships. So everybody gets to come up, everybody. Thank you, Portland, for that. That's some beautiful stuff. Thank you to Jason Traeger within the comedy scene for teaching me an attitude of gratitude. Yes. Yeah. Have you ever felt just so overwhelmed where you just get a little, and you just get a little misty, and you just lose your shit a little bit on the bus? Yes. <laughs> and everyone around you, instead of being like, Jesus Christ, it's like, oh, honey. <laughs> Thank you, Portland, for that. Thank you for that. Thank you. Thank you for reminding me that I do look like Portland's main export. There's a factory. I'm pretty sure they just turn out versions of me. Because you know 10 of me, dudes, women, whatever, but you know 10 people look exactly like me. And Unthank you to Portland for burning down the nest when I was in San Francisco, the original nest on Alberta. I've never forgiven you for that. Oh, I'm so mad. Unthank you to Portland for destroying every single gutter punk metal house that I used to spend every Friday night in going to shows. No thank you for that. No thank you to Tech Bros. And no thank you to the Bridges. There I said it! <laughs> Also, thank you to Portland for, I guess, having like a month that you get over the river <laughs> I just don't like when they go up and I can't go through because ships are going by. Who's still shipping?
being shit. <laughs> being shit. And the ships. Thank you, Portland, for actually proving it to be more difficult than I originally thought to pave the river, which was my solution. <laughs> it's trickier than I thought. It's fine. Thank you, Portland, uh, for being the living embodiment of my chosen family and everyone that I want to spend time with, including comedy community, as messed up as that group is. <laughs> if anyone does therapy for free, get the comedy community helped. Um, that's fine. But also, thank you to my parents for creating a network of family that I get to enjoy here, which is every one of my parents' friends are now my aunties and uncles, so I'm surrounded all the time. <laughs> And that's fantastic. Thank you also to Portland's vibrant tango community because I don't know that my parents would visit if there weren't tango here. So thank you for letting my parents visit. <laughs> thank you, Portland, for giving me and letting me be adopted by Les Stand Up. So thank you, yeah. It was a feminist comedy collective. Thank you to Les Stand Up for also not disowning me when I lost the comedy crystal. <laughs> embracing every single gay stereotype in that one. Yep, we have a one, and I lost it, and I still got to be part of the group, so. That's good, that's really good. Uh, but most of all, thank you, Portland, for being uh, a second home, and then a fifth home, and really just like the home base, forever and ever and always. Uh, it's very easy to live here, is what I tell people. Uh, yeah, there's some problems. <laughs> And yeah, I got some complaints. Like, are we even really a city? Are we? Or are we just some guy asked a city planner, like, how cool could we make a suburb? So cool! So, I just, thank you, Portland, for being the coolest suburb I've ever lived in my entire life. Uh, most of all, thank you, Portland, uh, for being a place where I get to be just the biggest theatrical nerd on stage every night of the week and embrace everything that I learned from being raised in a community theater uh, and in doing stand-up and storytelling and radio and working in a small little tiny gift shop where I get recognized in some amazing. <laughs> Thank you, Portland, uh, for being a place that I share. I still hold a lot of memories of my little sister and we had a great time here. Thank you, Portland. I really appreciate you. And the, uh, it's, I was saying during the break that for those of us who do this more than once, we hope you'll come back. Uh, we enjoy it, but it makes us just feel a little bit better about our community each time. And the hidden seeker, we, we want people to feel Gratitude. We want people to feel thanked when they do something good for the community that wasn't adequately rewarded in a market sense. You do something that's good, and you might not have got paid for it at market value because maybe it has an unclear one. And there need to be social devices, habits that encourage that kind of community thanks. And that's important. But the other is, it turns out the real beneficiary is the thanker. It turns out if we can live lives or a little more mindful, we're a little kinder, where we in fact are grateful for the many blessings that we have, even in hard days. We're more effective human beings. We're better to be around. Uh, I want to say thanks to the people who put this on. 
who include Teresa Horney, who include Michelle, who include Paul, who include Tim, who include Diana, and, then, oh, and where's Kara? There she is, Kara Hansen who runs the whole thing. Round of applause to Kara Hansen. And it was, she put in the notes that I was supposed to say this, so I will say it. Uh, I, I said it before, and now I guess I'll be saying it more times. Uh, and, I, and this only can speak for myself. I participate in this not because uh, I'm a good person. Uh, I'm not sure that I am, and much of the time I'm not. But being around people who are working at being good people uh, makes me better. And I think it makes other people better too. But I think we're products. We, are, we impact our communities. We're also products of our communities. And so thanks, everybody, for being here this evening, be a part of this community for at least tonight. We'll be back at you in a couple months. We'll invite you. Make sure you signed it up and signed in. Uh, if you haven't done a little tweet, haven't done a little Facebook post, haven't texted your mom, haven't texted your mom, haven't texted your brother, haven't said thank you to the person next to you, do it before you leave. And otherwise, thanks, everybody, for being here. Good night. To find out more about SuperThank, including upcoming events, you can visit superthank.org or check out our podcast on iTunes.